Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 47 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me are some familiar faces from our quarantine arc. We have Matthew Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. And Connor Casey is back with us again. What's up? So, today we got a, a big variety of things to talk about. Uh, obviously, Connor's here, and so we have some wrestling we got to catch up on. There's a lot. We kind of left you guys with some uh, big stuff happening in WWE, NXT, and AEW. So, we're going to give you guys, we gave you a little break, but then we're going to catch you up on what all has happened in those kind of three areas of wrestling. So, we are also going to review the Disney Plus release of the Hamilton live broadcast recording or live recording. Uh, so Hamilton, the mega famous stage play is now, they recorded one of the performances with the original cast from 2016, which is now available on Disney Plus. And so we are going to go through that, having all just watched it and some of us sang our hearts out. Um, there's new, even more things happening in the DC movie universe that we got to get to, including the return of a mega fan favorite, plus something on the DVD on the DC TV front which could spell doom for DC Universe. And we're going to be talking about a, we finally got a piece of news from the Marvel Cinematic Universe of some kind. So we're going to talk about that and some other stuff if we have time. Plus Matt likes comics, stuff like that. So we're going to get to all of that as usual. All right. So let's start at the top. DC is having a crazy year in promoting their film franchise. Uh, we've learned all kinds of fun stuff. I mean, Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman. There's going to, Henry Cavill's back as Superman. They're both going to be appearing in multiple DC movies. It sounds like we're building towards some kind of bigger DC unified multiverse event with Keaton's Batman being the Nick Fury type. Uh, I still have questions about if, you know, how he'll connect to Havel, Cavill's appearances and what that'll all, all be about. But there's another thing kind of slowly taking shape in the rumor mill. If you're not familiar with this, just a little context, uh, Justice League Dark was, I mean, it's a team that's gone by several names before getting the official Justice League Dark name, but it's basically DC's uh, supernatural or magic-powered characters. A lot of them are anti-heroes. I don't want to say they're heroes, uh, who band together to basically protect the DC universe from mystical or supernatural threats. And that team consists of fan favorites like John Constantine, Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Dead Man, uh, and others. So, How are you not going to mention Detective Chip? Because uh, nobody cares. And he's never People care about Detective Champ. No, they don't. And he's never going to be in a movie. He is a crucial talking, member of the Justice League Dark. No. We're talking about things that are going to actually show up in a movie. And Detective, Detective Champ will show up, up, mark my words. Uh, he'll be a painting and an Easter egg in the background. So. <laughs> Aside from that nonsense, like, fans have wanted to see a Justice League Dark movie happen for years. It's been, I mean, in development limbo uh, for God knows how long, for all of the 2010s, basically. You know, wow. Guillermo del Toro was attached at one point. Doug Ooh. Lyman, born director, was attached at one point. Like, it's had so uh, much. That del Toro one, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. that sounded great. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we never got it. So Justice League Dark has managed to kind of find its way. It, I mean, as a property, the comics are still out there. Uh, there was an animated movie that was released uh, through the DC Universe mm-hmm. animated front, and it did pretty well. Uh, various characters keep popping up in different places of like the live action TV shows. Constantine is now part of the Arrowverse uh, with Matt Ryan. So there's, there's all this stuff, but the actual news we're getting is that it seems like a DC, DC and Warner brothers are building a justice league, dark kind of Avenger style approach to it by introducing solo character films that will then unite as the justice league dark. I'm pumped. So two we've heard, and now just the caveat, these are just DC rumors. So this is just stuff we've heard is in development and we've been down uh, this road before. We've burned, been burned so many times before. But this time it's with Hellfire because we've heard two rumors that we haven't talked about, which is one, there's a Zatanna movie in the works. Um, you know, Zatanna is one of DC's most famous kind of magical characters. She's a sorceress uh, who also doubles as a stage magician. And, you know, her famous hook is saying her spells backwards is how she casts spells. She's a friend to Batman, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to get a Zatanna movie. That's one rumor. Another rumor is we're getting a new Constantine movie. Yes. Here's the deal. (laughs) I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I am too. Um, Please, please, please. Like, uh, we don't know yet. It hasn't been made clear whether this is a new kind of rebooted Constantine movie or if they're going to be looking to kind of tap back into the original uh, film that was made in 2005 with, uh, you know, later Hunger Games director Francis Lawrence and Keanu Reeves. And that Constantine, it wasn't an immediate hit when it came out, but it it has continued to build this kind of weird alt following over the years. And in many ways, as I was writing, is like, it's so ahead of its time as a comic book blockbuster movie. I mean, just the level of seriousness it takes the character and the material with. The I had no idea it was a comic of, book movie at first yeah, when I watched it. Like the level of talent they pulled into that movie. You got Keanu Reeves, oh, Peter Stormare. Um, oh my God. Uh, what's her name? Tilda Swinton is in that movie. Shia yeah. LaBeouf is in this. Like I agree that wife. it was ahead of its time. Yeah. It, oh, it, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, very much Like so. major acting talent they pulled together, treated the material seriously. It even has a freaking post-credit scene in it before that was even a thing. Like, wow. Yeah, and so... Constantine was kind of ahead of its time, but it, I mean, it was also in a time where people were freaking out and thought every comic book movie had to be a direct imprint of the comic books right. they read because it was also new and we needed it pure. So people were mad that he wasn't blonde and it was Keanu Reeves and it wasn't John Constantine and it was like, whatever. And, you know, Keanu Reeves, you can argue with that all you want, but I loved how he took the character and made it his own and kind of was his mm-hmm. own version of Constantine, who was still this just real bastard of a person. Um, and it was very much of the spirit, but uh with what DC is doing now, there is a quote-unquote inference that they're trying to keep going with this Keaton nostalgia train and get Keanu Reeves back and do another Constantine set in that continuity. Because as we've been talking about, all this stuff is now on the table, right? DC just seems to be going with this multiverse approach, and they're just like, hey, it's all on the table. If Constantine, and I've been writing, like, they could actually, because of the nature of DC, is different than Marvel. Marvel, you know, went broke in the 90s and sold off all their properties to different film studios and has had to been collecting them ever since. But Warner Brothers owns DC. If they really wanted to pull it together as a multiverse, I mean, in every film is potentially, and this is what the Crisis TV event did, right? They made reference to different movies and stuff and TV shows and called them their own universes. And there was a lot of in-jokes and Easter eggs. So 
yeah, you can bring back Keanu Reeves and Constantine and oh build him into a new Justice League Dark franchise, which would be a major win for Warner Brothers. And they have a close relationship with Reeves. I mean, he's yeah. making John Wick and The Matrix 4 right now for them. And it's just like, hey, you want to rekindle another one of these properties and just like... He's up he's, for it. Yeah, right. And Bill like, and Ted is coming yes, out. Like, exactly. You know, like, yeah, like, why so, not? Here's my question. If he was not, if, if it was not Keanu, do you guys have any, like, anyone you'd like to see in that? Uh, either space? Matt Ryan or, no, or nobody. Keanu, okay. Matt, Matt Ryan's Ryan so good in that role team, that anybody team, else. Yes, team Matt Ryan. Now, also, what about the dude that plays Jamie Lannister? Nick, I mean, Nikolai? I mean, he's a good actor. That was my too. thought. I was like, yeah, he yeah, could be I mean, kind of cool. I mean, people wouldn't hate him, but he also would be kind of a Matt Ryan again. Like, Personally? Right. So, like, because I love, I love Matt Ryan. Like, Matt mm-hmm. Ryan is my Constantine. Even though as much as I love Keanu Reeves and that, that movie, uh, mm-hmm. I, Matt Ryan is my, my favorite. What I will say is if, if, they can't, if they can't get Keanu for that whole thing and they don't want to go with Matt Ryan because Warner Brothers has been a little iffy about yeah, I mean, the TV, TV stars to movies. He's still doing it on the TV. And he yeah, but they, they like to keep it separate. They don't like to mingle those. So well, now it's just all in the multiverse, Matt. But if, but that's still, that means that they're going to have yeah. to pull the trigger and blend those and they have not shown that they're willing. So if that's no, the case, I would rather not get a solo Constantine movie and I would rather him be introduced. Honestly, in the comics for me, Constantine is better in a group. His his solo ventures are, are fine in small doses for me, but his he's better when he has people to play off of, which is why he's doing so well on Legends, because he has all these personalities to, to bounce off of. And it brings out the best parts of his jerk personality. Like that's that's why he works. I would hope that they would just leave him in Justice League Dark and catapult him that way. And then if they want to give him a movie because you will have built up an audience, great. Uh, but as we've seen with both those Constantine projects, they weren't lacking quality. Like Matt Ryan's original right. show, I like. No one watched it. The same thing with the movie. Uh, no, not a lot of people gave that a shot, and it's only developed the following over years. So Aren't this is saying, not a character that you can. Yeah. He's not a bankable. He's not a bankable name. Okay. He's a weird character. He's a weird character, and you got to get it right. So I would rather them introduce him with. I mean, geez, if they even did it with the current comics where they have like a character like Wonder Woman in the group to kind of make it, here's my star, and then we build mm-hmm. all the fun little characters around it, that's to me what you would kind of need to make Justice League Dark work on the big screen. Otherwise, I really like a solo movie standalone. That's just me, though. And I also, I thought that they were only looking for like super high A-list actors to cast into this part. So I'm not sure if like the TV, I, I don't, who am I to say who is A-list and who is not, but yeah. I think that Keanu fits that perfectly. And if people are so stubborn, dye his hair blonde, like whatever. <laughs> like, uh, he didn't have blonde hair in the original, right? No. no. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying if though. Like if they it. want, if people are like, oh, yeah. need no, I don't think people got hung up on, on that. I just don't think people. No, people out. definitely oh, got hung people up on did. They got, yeah. they got hung up on him not being blonde, not being British. He quit smoking. He's also yeah, not as, he's not really like jerky. Like he's not as jerky Keanu in that movie yeah. as I would have imagined. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there, okay, it's a very different take on Constantine. Like, I mean, yeah. nobody's yeah. arguing that. Like, it was a very right. different take. But yeah, um, it was such a good take. I, I think, that, but I, I really think Warner Brothers is going for this kind of 
bringing all their properties together because they don't have to merge them. If you have a multiverse, then like right now, I mean, at the end of Crisis, Stargirl is in its own universe that's separate from yeah. all the other DC universe shows. Mm-hmm. They're not in one. So you could keep doing this, but they're trying to pull these stars that have become more iconic in this and pull them together. But we're going to keep an eye on this because this is interesting and we're going to see what happens. But we got to move on to the uh, DC TV side where we just got the announcement, speaking of Stargirl, that uh, DC's newest kind of superhero TV series, Stargirl, got renewed by for season two. Ooh, now, yay. here's, yes, that's yay. Stargirl's actually been a pleasant surprise. It's, it's actually more enjoyable than I thought it would be. But the caveat to this that was interesting was kind of hearing at what the distribution plan for Stargirl season two is. So Stargirl season two, uh, Stargirl debuted on, on uh, DC Universe. Um, just like Titans, Doom Patrol, or, you know, Young Justice, or all the other show, you know, all, oh, two other shows that DC Universe had <laughs> to their name. But it debuted on uh, DC Universe, and then the next day it would air on the CW. And that's how they did it. To kind that's of really interesting. Build exposure, yeah. Yeah. Because they were just testing its waters, because what it seemed to be happening is, I mean, you got like Titans, and, and then more so Doom Patrol, which were gaining this critical acclaim and getting, you know, good word of mouth, but nobody's seeing them, because nobody's on DC Universe, and that was kind of the stranglehold. So they tried something like Stargirl out, and they've been doing this steadily. Like, they've tried distribution in other places. Titan is on, Titans is on Netflix overseas. Harley Quinn, they did season one on Sci-Fi starting in May. Like, they're starting to break out and explore doing this. So, Stargirl was airing on CW, and I guess it was enough of a reception in an audience that they decided season two, they're ditching DC Universe entirely. So, Stargirl season two is not on DC Universe at all. It's going to air first on CW, and then next day on CW streaming site. Uh, so, you can stream it there next day. So, DC, and then at the end of the season, seasons will be then kind of streamed in binge form on HBO Max when they're done. So hmm. none of that distribution plan has this DC universe in it. And people are just seeing this now, as we talked about weeks ago, as this is just the death now for DC universe. Like this is it. Like, I mean, all you got left on there is Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn's headed for HBO max real quick. And then after that, it's young justices. I think Titans and young justice are the only two that are not, you know, solidly and Titans is in. so far down the, the pike that I imagine they will announce yeah, exactly. some other thing okay. with that. Yeah, they're not going to keep letting that show that kind of like has gone three seasons and actually built an audience like just continue to just flounder out there. I mean, it seems like DC Universe is done and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just that it's a tale of, uh, of timing, right? When, when DC Universe, like if HBO Max had been around back then, there wouldn't be a DC Universe. Like it, it's just one, time. just like didn't it just it wasn't the right timing, and they launched it, and then all of a sudden there's this giant Big Brother service that can encompass all of it. It makes way more sense for DC Universe to be a, a wing yeah. or a division of HBO Max's service, and just like hey, get all awesome. these stuff here. Yeah, I mean it's that's that's kind of why like because it is the death knell of DC Universe as a standalone service. But I also don't look at it as like, oh my god, it's ending because no, it's just going to fold into is that. It just, like, it's not going away. As far it's as not content. just programming, it's, right? It's it's like DC actual Universe comics also as comics. well. Yeah, they do the Marvel everything is sort of. of thing. Yeah, everything yeah. is sort of. <laughs> well, because it's, it's sort of so much content. Like it's not everything. I it's know. not even like new comics. Yeah, oh, it's, wow. it's a, they essentially like... It's the one they've sold millions and millions and millions yeah. of dollars worth of that everybody's read a million yeah. times that wow. you can read for free on the they service. They cherry pick which okay. ones to go on the service, which is like, 
okay in theory, I guess. But yeah. And then weird. where do you find the other ones? Like, do you have to? I mean, every other comic service, Comicsology, yeah. everything you don't need DC Universe. Does Comicsology like, also have the comics that are on DC Universe, or are those exclusive? Yeah. No, no, they have them all. And oh, Comicsology has its own monthly service that you can oh, sign no. up for and get access to their database. So again, it's just all around. It's okay. just not, it, it's just a product of unfortunate diving. I feel like when we talk about Quibi and we talk about like, oh, how the, the world changed around it, DC Universe is kind of like a smaller version of that. It's just the okay. world advanced and like- You're being way here. too nice. Because as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, they did the thing that my daddy always taught me about when he said, son, if you did it right the first time, you'd be done by now. They didn't try to do it right. They tried to do it first. They no, tried they to tried to game. do it. Warner, yeah, yeah, Warner Brothers tried to do something as a knee-jerk reaction, but they didn't yeah. plan properly. If they just yeah, that's what I'm it, saying. You and I are agreeing. I'm yeah. saying they did it fast and jumped in to be first, yeah, and, exactly. and they fell flat on their face. But it's all like when DC it. Universe came out, like it was horrible when it first launched. Oh no, you could yeah, not really? play it anywhere. Yeah. You couldn't even figure out. I still want to go and find the coder that decided that like first you should offer the old seasons before the new seasons. And then you have to go all the way up to the top of the right-hand yeah. page to find the season Ooh. change button. No, it's not like, No, I want to go find a coder who did that. And just I mean, know what the yeah, is, selfishly, right? I'm very, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I also don't have a login for DC Universe. So, uh, I, I mean, I think it could just get a lot more fans. I heard that the biggest problem with DC Universe is that it wasn't even worldwide. It was just the U.S., right? It was only offered to the U.S., I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm don't pretty know sure that it wasn't even open to anywhere outside of the United States. I mean, I've been so, upfront about like, I'm not getting an HBO Max thing until all of it's integrated. <laughs> I, I agree with you on that. I do. Yeah. yeah. That's what I really want. Like aside from like the friends thing. Well, I'm, lo like I'm losing my HBO thing. go on Roku in a few days. That's finally like popping up on my Roku device, like this is not supported. So I did like a deep dive trying to figure out, okay, when are you guys gonna negotiate this? Roku makes up for such a big amount of people that watch HBO through Roku. And it's just, these people cannot come to terms with an agreement. And I'm just sitting there waiting every day. Like, am I getting HBO Max or am I gonna have to get a nah, different, son. am I have to get it's Apple 2020, TV? you're getting screwed. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just, I literally have to sell all my Rokus to have HBO. I have to go get Apple TV. You can't even use a Fire Stick. Yeah. No, there's no HBO Max and Fire Stick either. Yeah, yep. no Fire Stick, no you have Roku. A PlayStation. Uh, oh, right. I have my PlayStation. Oh, then yeah. you have HBO Max. You right? have HBO ah. Max. Yeah, all right. Good. Well, I have yeah. to tote it around TV to TV. Solving problems. <laughs> Out of my streaming station. I got to bring right. my console. <laughs> so we solved that problem. RIP DC Universe. We hardly knew ye. Hopefully all those good shows get a place on HBO Max so they can actually build a good universe there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving right along, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we got to talk about something that's going on in the Marvel Universe. We finally got a piece of information out of that, you know, dead universe. So that's going to be good to talk about.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. So yeah, while we've been just talking, I mean, this is just slowly morphed into a freaking DV, DC show during the quarantine arc. <laughs> Because that's the only person putting out any kind of PR or discussion-worthy news. Marvel's just been sitting on its haunches doing I don't know what. But at least we got some discussion coming out from uh, Black Widow director. They're trying to kind of build hype for this thing again. And so we're getting some conversation coming out. Uh, Black Widow's been pushed back to November, which we're now hoping could actually still be a viable Opening date for movies. Who knows? 2020, baby. <sighs> so Empire Magazine got to talk with uh, Black Widow director Kate Shortland. And you can tell things are kind of uh, <laughs> changed on the Marvel front this year because normally they don't say anything about a film, but she's coming out and just dropping big Marvel Cinematic Universe teasers and bombs. And basically she said uh, that this movie will, she confirmed what many of us suspected which is that this movie will see a kind of passing of the baton between Natasha Romanoff, Scarlett Johansson, and uh, Yelena Belova, uh, Florence Pugh, who is her quote-unquote sister in this movie, and fellow Black Widow trainee, and that there will be a kind of passing of a baton process in this movie. So... And I thought that was interesting because at least I read that and Marvel. I was confused. Yeah. I read it and I was so confused because it was such a short statement and it was Scarlett Johansson saying, so I'm passing the baton and she was like confirming it. But then, so is she, I guess her, she's not, there's been so many rumors about the storyline and how like her, the death of the sister is what creates Scarlett's version of black. Like that's what makes her so vicious and amazing. Like, is it 100% confirmed that, this baton is being passed and we're going to see her in the future. Here's the actual quote and we'll let the people decide. Okay. So, I was here's confused. what Black Widow director Kate Shortland said. Kevin Feige realized that the audience would expect an origin story. Of course, we went in the opposite direction and we didn't know how great Florence Pugh would be. We knew she would be great, but we didn't know how great. Scarlet is so gracious, like, oh, I'm handing her the baton. So it's going to propel another female storyline. Okay. It's pretty clear. Yeah, I, don't know. That, okay. I take that pretty like, like, yeah, she's going to be in other movies. It, it seems like, and this is, again, not a huge surprise, right? Like, we figured, I don't know. we didn't think Marvel was tapping somebody like Florence Pugh to, to basically just do a crazy one-and-off one and Russian accent and for one movie. We, we figured they would bring in Yelena and that 
we always have suspected that Black Widow, while it seems like a mundane kind of just story of Black Widow's past before Endgame or Infinity War and Endgame, that really there are going to be some developments in this film which actually open the door on a bigger threat in the modern MCU because of whatever they're combating, whatever this new Black Widow program is, whoever Taskmaster is, whatever the larger agenda surrounding that is, is going to be something that kind of propels forward and Yelena will be the one kind of picking up that fight because, you know, Natasha can't finish it. Yeah. She's dead. So, <laughs> Stop. yeah. You're um, hurting my soul. Can I just say something? I was, earlier on when I first started hanging out with Comic Book, I was on an episode of Comic Book Now. They brought me in and we all said, what solo movie would we want to see? And I said, Black Widow. And everyone scoffed at me. And they were like, that's never going to happen. They like giggled at me. And I was like, oh, I just think it'd be so cool. Blah, blah. And then I, I wish I could find that footage so bad. Was it I Brandon and Chris? I think it, I think it was at <laughs> least Brandon. But is. I was like, I, I was so, I wanted like a solo female movie and I just said it in passing and I just thought of that moment and that was years and years and years ago so man I'm gonna have to like well ask them to thank you thank you I'm proud of myself that was before the podcast that was like right in the beginning of after the dead um yeah well, there we go all right that's Janelle on Janelle Janelle on me <laughs> Kof, you mentioned that Marvel never spoils anything, so the fact that they brought this out, do you think it means that there's another twist coming? Oh, this absolutely. this was like the red herring? I mean, you can't count out BD's theories. Like I said, he's, you always got to remember that guy goes to sets. He knows things. He can't, you know, he knows things. He sees more than all of us do. So you can't count it out that there could be a, a kind of bait and switch and they do kill off Yelena or something or seemingly kill her off and, you know, we find out later she's still alive or whatever. I mean, that's still a very much a twist and a possibility. Uh, I don't, if it is, I, I think Marvel would retroactively find some way to bring her back because like we said, Florence, Florence Pugh's career has changed significantly, probably from when they started filming this movie to, you know, when we get to where we are. So, I mean, it always could be misdirection. You know, it's Kevin Feige. It's I mean, Marvel. you just do it in the comics, right? I mean, what they did in the comics is essentially kill her and then bring her back as, as like a enhanced you know, individual and you have like a winter soldier type of art. And and again, that would be, that would be a great, I mean, give a black widow her own winter soldier storyline and stuff like that. And there you go. So, I mean, this is already written in the comics and yeah, that'd be a great post-credit scene if there's some kind of resurrection process, because that's going to get everybody psyched again. And even if they never will do it, everybody will be like, they can bring back Natasha. Her body's on Voromir. They ain't ever getting that back. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so bones, harsh. just bones on that stone slab now. Oh, oh no. But, yeah. yeah but it, it'll get people buzzing. So that's so my gross. theory. Those are some theories just to uh, <laughs> take to heart. Uh, moving right along. Uh, I guess we got time. Let's talk about it. So we are going to talk real quick about this Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy, the Siege trailer, Uh, basically. Okay, so. So War for Cybertron Siege is the first installment of the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy, which is kind of an anime-style series that's coming to Netflix on July 30th. And so we got the final trailer for this first part which is Siege. And this is kind of the backstory of the, of the Transformers 
on Cybertron and their war for Cybertron, which is the preamble that launches them off to Earth in, in, in kind of the main series that we know. Basically, this is kind of a distilled Transformers, right? Cut all the human crap out and let's get to some Transformers on Transformers violence. And yeah, the design's kind of... Oh, you're uh, selling it's this kind so of like CG anime. <laughs> You know how I sell? You always get after me for selling comics. You've sold this. All like, right, we'll no take it over. I'm, no, I'm just saying you always give me grief for not selling comics correctly. No, I mean, it's and very like, G... Okay, here's the deal. It's very G1. It, yeah. it, it, like, it's very much an... CGI animated G1 version. It's a lot darker and kind of anime tinged in the way it kind of presents like freaky Megatron and, you know, crazy, you know, destruction events and all that stuff and technology and the world of the Transformers. I'm just kind of curious of whether original fans will embrace this. And I could see new people coming on board, but do you think like original fans who've been burned by this Transformers live action series, is this the one that brings people back in? I don't know if it's the one that brings people back in only because even despite the live action stuff, like Transformers is still as popular as ever. And, and that fan base just eats up anything Transformers. I mean, you got to think, right? Like right now there's like two animated series without the movies. Of course there's Bumblebee, but then there's like a bunch of comics, there's a bunch of toys. Like the Siege line that this is based on is actually a toy line. And then it's also been spun off into a card game. So like there's a lot of the fandom kind of already likes these designs and likes this take. So I don't think it'll necessarily persuade anyone who's just like, I don't like the movies. But again, I, I think there's gonna be a, a big enough audience for this. Also with Transformers, you gotta think like there's so many animated series over the years that do the kind of cartoony, very uh, stylized, but like in a lighthearted way. They're very cartoon network in that, in that sense. And this is just a really cool, we don't get to see this very often, this kind of more mature looking graphical style. Uh, I also just like that it's, it's a very short amount of time, this three-part series. It takes yeah. place in the final hours, hours of the of fight. The, yeah. So like it's all that stuff has happened. You're seeing like both at like their most desperate and yeah, you, you, like you said, that part is true. Like you, you cut out all the human stuff. It's just the Autobots doing their last ditch effort. It's essentially the, some of the best parts of the original animated movie, but kind of yeah. a new take. And so, yeah, like I, I dug that. I, th I thought it looked really, really good. The only thing that takes a little adjusting is Optimus Prime's voice. Uh, that, forget, yeah. The actor who's Colin, doing it. It's not Peter yeah. Colin. It's not, not Peter, Peter That's Colin. all you have to say. It's not Peter Colin. I don't know who does it. And also, it. somebody's going to have to explain to me how there's still jets and cars while on Cybertron. That's that's like a little weird to me. But, it's hey. it's crazy. It's gotten weird because like now there's boats. And also, like there's all kinds of stuff now. Like there's helicopters, boats, and all Yeah, but on stuff. Cybertron, wouldn't they be spaceships? But anyway, Exactly. So like that, I don't know. Like I don't know how that rationalizes it all. But hey, y'all, we got Transformers back. That's a small <laughs> win. And it's content in 2020. It's coming. So Janelle's trademark phrase. Yeah. Give me content. <laughs> really Show add, me the content. You were going to get some strange email links if you don't start specifying. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. DMs are closed. <laughs> All right. So that's Transformers uh, War for Cybertron Siege. We will be keeping an eye on that because we got nothing else to do at the end of the month. It's going to be a boring August. So we will review that for you. Moving right along to our deep dive section. Today, we are going to talk about comics. We're going to talk about wrestling. But first, we are going to deep dive into Hamilton. Uh, yeah. So 
Hamilton. That was, great, that was great. If was you've really been good. alive and on planet Earth the last, oh, four years or so, you've probably heard about this or tried to get tickets or, you know, you know, maybe you even got to grace and go see it live on stage. I lived in New York all during this, but I, I mean, like, right when this came out and, like, was a smash hit, I think I did the lottery one day. Like, I, I'm not a big Broadway guy. I like to go to the Kids Bubble Show. That's a whole other thing. But that sounded creepy. I hear it now. But, like, yeah, moving right <laughs> along. My wife and I like to go to the Kids Bubble Show because it was amazing. But anyway, so I never <laughs> saw Hamilton. But uh, so I was kind of interested to finally, like so many millions of other people, to finally sit down and, you know, see what all the hubbub was about and watch this. It was supposed to come out October of 2021 so that the show could run longer and they could get more money out of the stage performance. La Rona shut all that down. Broadway's closed for the rest of the year. Um, there's this big movement to kind of remind people of the importance of the arts and entertainment because that industry is really struggling with that industry. Our industry is really struggling. Um, and so Hamilton's been released on Disney Plus over July 4th weekend to kind of remind people that, hey, you know, this is what stage production gives us. We took a look at it, and um, I got to say, after finally seeing it, it's weird to watch Hamilton now uh, after all the hype, because what I think was, I never really looked too deeply into it. I wasn't into the phenomenon. I didn't listen to the soundtrack. I didn't read all about every single cast bio and interview and all that stuff. Like, sorry. So I say all that to say it was a pleasant surprise to kind of see now just how many people from this original cast are famous and, and have grown and, and have bigger careers now. Because I just was looking through, I was like, oh, I know him, and I know him, and I know her, and I know her, and like, oh, okay. And to see them kind of, to see why they obviously now have these bigger careers is, you know, they have an immense amount of talent. So I think that's what I was impressed by. I'm never going to go buy the Hamilton songbook. That's not my hip-hop glory day, per se. Um, educational history raps or fictionalized history raps are not my hip-hop cup of tea, but... Um, it is a lot of talent in just how they carry off and, and create these characters while they're rapping and, at the, and complex rapping at the same time. And I think that was the big standout for me, which is how enjoyable they made these characters and, and historical figures at the same time while kind of using the visuals because this is like a lot of um, actors of color playing colonial white people and the kind of in jokes and visual gags they even build into some of these performances and the little side jokes that they make about all these things uh, are great. But yeah, these, they really did inhabit these characters and make them lively in a way that we really haven't seen before. Like I'm interested in who Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr are and, you know, all of, and the various other historical figures to see who do I know? Who do I don't like, Oh, this is interesting. And, and really making that life come alive. And by the end, when they're singing, because I'm not going to spoil how Alexander Hamilton ends for you, you know, several centuries of spoiler alerts there. But um, yeah, and just kind of framing that, yeah, this is a story because this is a historical figure that we think we know, but we don't really hear so much about. And so kind of you do learn something. And yeah, I thought it was just a pleasant surprise by how talented the cast is and, and how good they were in, in their performances. So that's my takeaway um overall like i said i'm not like necessarily a broadway or a musical guy so i wasn't like you know doing a pirouette off my couch and feeling and then like sliding to the tv on my knees like yes like but, <laughs> um it was enjoyable now it's bad i would have gone viral <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i ain't trying to go viral uh, in any sense of the word right now 
Janelle, oh my gosh. Have, um, yeah, um, I kind of went in with the exact same. This is funny. I actually graduated from college with a musical theater degree. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I'm, I, I went in with so much expectation because I have just heard nothing about anything on Broadway other than Hamilton for so long um, that I think that worked against me because I had really, really, really high expectations and I had, but I also had no idea what to expect. So when the first number hit, um, it's, it was, and it was an adjustment for me because like, I love hip hop and I love rap and stuff. Uh, I love spoken word. Um, but I, I don't know the story of Hamilton emotionally. I only know like, yo, he did this for the government and then he, you know, died in a shoot off. Like, that's a, like, I don't know his big story. So the, the first initial like song, I guess, was a little overwhelming for me to get the entire backstory in such a short amount of time with them just rapping back and forth. Like it was a little hard for me to grasp. And like, this is one of these things where you can't like play Animal Crossing while you're watching it. Like you need to focus and pay attention to every single word because that's your dialogue is the rapping. So I, that's why I think I went in and I was like at the first number, I was kind of like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, pause. And then I pulled out my phone. I was like, all right, I'm going to Wikipedia a little backstory so that I'm going in with a little more information because to pick it all up from that first initial thing, it was, a, it was kind of overwhelming. So as soon as I did that, I read on Hamilton, his background. He was, you know, in the Caribbean, you know, grew up in the Caribbean. And I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that. So it was kind of overwhelming at first. Anyways, uh, my standout was Leslie Odom Jr. who played... Burr, Aaron Burr, I think he was phenomenal. Like this man can act. Um, he was just incredible. Uh, and then when I saw Renee Elise, is it Goldsberry from Altered Carbon? I yeah. lost it. I was <laughs> yes, so pumped. I to was see like, her. wait, where do I know her from? Yes, yeah, me she's too. in a lot like, of things. Oh she's uh, she's in <sighs> Altered Carbon. It's called uh, Qualcus Falconer. Um, yep. She's also in CBS's Evil this past season, which is a good show. Yeah, she's been yeah. she's been doing pretty well. But and yeah, how good were her vocals? Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. She can sing. Well, some of the best um, songs of the whole of the whole show. The second song is what sold me, and that was the three sisters singing together. That's what like grabbed me and pulled me into this world. And then from there forward, I was mad, like madly in love with it. It was amazing. Uh, the story's great. I mean, it's if it gets anybody inspired to know our history of government, and because all I've ever heard was store like historic moments. I've never felt like an emotional connection to any of the things that have happened throughout the history of our nation, except for obviously like getting rid of slavery. Um, it was really, it was, it was really special. It was really something special. I think that uh, he, now I understand why so many people have been touched by this. And um, it is actually really great to not see a bunch of white actors with the wigs and playing these roles. I just think it's yeah. like, it's so forward thinking. And now I understand why it has all this amazing buzz around it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will, what I, what I came in with, I came in with a little bit more um, knowledge of like what Hamilton was because I'd always seen like certain numbers 
Like I would yeah. see, I'd watch YouTube clips of like certain numbers from the show, but I've never, I never watched the whole thing all the way through as just one long production. So um, that was, so coming in knowing like kind of what the story's about, um, knowing like what Lin-Manuel does in his, in his rapping on like, I mean, he's gone like to Jimmy Fallon, done like freestyle stuff against like Black Thought, you know what I mean? Like that was the kind of stuff that I was used to seeing him in. So like to actually see like a full long story told and like this cast is phenomenal um the two numbers that like are my absolute favorite that i feel like anyone should like if you're wondering what hamilton is and what it does incredibly well um you watch satisfied and you watch right hand man i feel like those two numbers like satisfied is just an awesome song like that's actually one i would listen to in my playlist like i would go back and listen to that right now like that was phenomenal just the way it, it in you know embraces kind of that modern those modern production values and stuff but it's still telling the story like she raps so quickly like Lin-Manuel has even said he can't rap that fast and like but her mind just works that way um and then right hand man is the George Washington number and that so is good. where he brings Hamilton all right and that that number is phenomenal too and also just from a production value standpoint like when you're watching I mean like the old Fox theater used to have this and a lot of modern uh houses have this where the stage rotates and like that is used to such a cool degree. Things like when they're passing the note to Hamilton and it's like going upstairs and across and that's how it's like traveling across mm -hmm. the world. That stuff is so cool and, and inventive. Um, and then the cabinet meeting where they're back and forth oh, and yeah. they're like, Hamilton's It's like a freestyle battle. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So like those are the ones that like if, and also King George has a great number well, he's just one. a funny character. He's straight. 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 But like that one number uh, though, where he's he's so straight faced and he's smiling as he's like threatening people. There's so many cool moments, but like those <laughs> numbers specifically, those two, if you watch those and you don't come away like meh, then it's probably not for you. And if, and if you watch those though and are intrigued, I've always been kind of a little bit of a history buff anyway. And this mm. was cool. This isn't exactly accurate. Like there's whole parts. No, we won't get into yeah. that. But, no, yeah. but there's like whole parts that aren't. But I still, you know, it's kind of like Aaron Sorkin does all the time. Like you take the seed and then you kind of just play around with it. You build around it. But like the core is true, but the rest is kind of just changed. But we uh, have to have that to hook people on a story like me. I was like, oh, I yeah, feel an emotional connection it. now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't mind it if it's done well. And yeah. this was no biopic well. is accurate to, you know. Yeah. So, but <laughs> this if was, we actually had to deal with people with how people really are, nobody would want to learn about anybody. <laughs> yeah. No, very true. Especially for our history. So yes, very much so. But I thought it was great. I mean, I it is long. I did. It's like, very long. Yes. There are times where I was like, oh man, you know, I was kind of like, I need to take a break, and the intermission comes. I got a really good time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. I think you should. I think someone should at least give it a shot. Um, I I do consider myself. I, I I love theater. I love musicals and all that. But this was this was my white whale. This was you know the thing I was I was never able to see. I didn't see it when it came here to Nashville. I, I don't have a small fortune, nor am I famous, so I couldn't have gone to see it in New York. Um, this this was my first real experience with it in any real sense, um, other than listening to a few songs on Spotify. So, you know, better men and women than me can explain the intricacies of the choreography and the rapping and the, the bites of history that they actually do take versus what was changed for a narrative standpoint. When it's put together, it's all brilliant. And I think it's only looked better with age. Um, the thing I kind of want to focus on is I hope this sets the trend 
for the big musicals going forward in that in 2015 and 2016, when Hamilton was what everybody was talking about on Broadway, you could not see it unless you were Oprah or Jimmy Fallon or <laughs> oh, yeah. just some you had. Oh, no, to it have, was, have that and Book of Mormon were, were nightmares to try to get into, like it, the time living there. Like, yeah. So I was never going to be able to see the original cast put on the original production. This was the only way that was going to happen. Yeah. I hope going forward when big musicals come out, they decide that, hey, in order for everybody to see this, we need to put on a production like this where we film it across a couple of different nights Absolutely. and then take a night where there is no, there is no crowd in the audience and put, have the camera be able to zoom in and whatnot. Because I, I know, you know, theater heads and, you know, movie heads, they, they're always button heads constantly just because one will always argue that its medium is better than the other. But this, I feel like, is the best way to get both. Because yeah. I'm never going to be able to go see The Book of Mormon <laughs> on Broadway with Josh Gad in a starring role. Right. I could if they wanted to do it this way. I, cu- I couldn't see Mean Girls. I couldn't see Hades Town. I couldn't see the original, even SpongeBob SquarePants the musical. That's such <laughs> a good point. Can't see, can't see it. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've heard some people talk about, like, okay, look, because the camera is there, because there's its own cinematography going, it clashes in some way with the stage blocking and choreography. And there were a couple moments where I went, okay, I wish it could have pulled back and I could have seen mm-hmm. how everything was operating at once. Yeah. But it never, it never took away the experience for me. And I just, I, I think that this, I hope this, I mean, and you, you look at, you know, sometimes big musicals will get a live broadcasts with those Fathom Theater events. Nobody talks about those. Mm -hmm. Those don't trend on Twitter. Those don't have tens of thousands of people, millions of people talking about it. Something like this would for the next big thing. And I hope that gets recognized going forward. I love the show. Absolutely. And I think at Connor's point, a lot of people are beginning to realize, I mean, this happened in the manga and anime front that like one medium doesn't exclude the other. Like it it feeds like, more people will want to see a stage show after seeing Hamilton in a recorded broadcast because that it sparks the imagination of a lot of people and they want to see more of this and maybe they're going to go out and see a live theater whenever it's safe again, you know, um, and, to see a live if, theater thing. So, you know. If, you're a, if, if people might think, oh, this will stop people from wanting to go see it in person. Not me. And I think no, well, that's I how think it is for a lot of people. I'm saying. I think it's I the go exact see opposite. It. Like, I think, it, it in, I think what we're coming around to is the realization that, you know, yeah, th- when I said manga anime, they started giving manga away at a much just like dirt cheap shonen jump price because they realize that they're just preventing people from embracing both and, and kind mm-hmm. of filtering back and forth between both. And if you pull down that wall, people do move freely between both mediums more so than you think. Like seeing Hamilton as a movie doesn't exclude people from saying, well, I don't need to go see stage shows now. I can get movies. They're like, wow, I just watched something that was a stage show and it was really cool. I want to see more stage shows. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so. I think it's really a matter of survive, surviving too. I mean, you, you, at this point, you don't, I feel like you don't have the luxury to worry about clashing fan bases or what medium is better. If Broadway wants to survive going forward, I feel like they need to embrace this to a degree. I'm not saying everything has to be on there, but they need to start moving that direction no and hamilton had a plan like you get a run you get your money 
but you like at some point in the height of your popularity too like yeah drop the movie yeah and then just get a get a b cast and let them run for everybody who comes flooding in afterwards so that's hamilton check that out disney plus or ask charlie ridgely i'm sure he'll talk your ear off about it if you can find it <laughs> all right matt moving into comics and then we're gonna do wrestling and get out of here why don't you give us a quick breakdown of comics so we can have some time for wrestling yeah. All right. So we have uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Willow, number one. She's getting her own spinoff series. We have Something is Killing the Children, number eight. We have uh, two big books from DC this week. We have Batman, number 94, which is the end of designer, the designer arc. Oh, and man. Essentially the launch to Joker War. Uh, we have Deceased, Dead Planet, number one, which is freaking fantastic. You get a long form <laughs> review from me on that tomorrow. It's so good. Nice. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then, hold on. My thing actually just... Don't you mean at the time die. of reading this, they will be reading your long-form review or listening yes, to Yes, Kofi. That's exactly, exactly what he meant. <laughs> That's exactly what he meant. Uh, we have Young Justice, number 16. Transformers Galaxies, number 7. Adventure Man, number 2. We have Excellence, number 8, uh, which you should definitely read. We have Empire, Fantastic Four, number 0. Uh, again, another prelude to Empire, which kicks off in about another week. Uh, we have Marauders, volume 1. Uh, we have X-Force number 10, Strange Academy number 2, and one of the best books that no one is reading, uh, Dryad number 3, which you really should pick up. Uh, it's Oni Press. You should definitely check that out. Uh, and then for those looking for uh, trades, we have Rick and Morty volume number 11. So that is comics. All right, Connor, take it away. We had a lot going down. Uh, we had NXT Great American Bash, WWE versus COVID, and AEW had an event. So... What has gone down, and where are we at now? Matt, were you just dancing to Young Jock? <laughs> yes, I was, and I'm so glad someone saw it. And the whole world saw it, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, so let's, uh, let's refresh people on what we were talking about last week. Uh, we'll start with the COVID stuff. Since the last episode I was on, here's what we know right now. Uh, there have been at least 1,500 coronavirus tests given out to wrestlers and staff members since the end of June, so about a week ago. At least 30 people have tested positive. We only know the names of four because they have specifically told wrestlers, do not tell people publicly if you have this, just stay home. So it's basically been a guessing game of if you're not on television, you kind of have to guess whether or not they're sick or if they're just staying home to be safe. Um, we honestly will probably never know the exact extent of how many people have this. That's the, that's the weird thing about it. On a positive note, there is a new face mask policy that has been put in. If you are in the performance center, unless you are on screen or wrestling in the ring, you're wearing a mask. And if you're not wearing a mask, you get five, $500. They catch you a second time, it's a thousand dollars. So in that respect, they are definitely taking this seriously. And I'm all for that part. I feel like it's a long time coming and it's a bit overdue. Glad they've made some changes. Moving on to better things. Matt, we predicted last week that Great American Bash would have the better show for night one. We were right. How did you feel about the show? I felt it was, uh, felt it was great. I thought... Um, well, keep us those... in context. Great American Bash is NXT. 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 Yeah, the Great American yes. Bash was NXT. Fighter Fest was AEW. Uh, and those... this. Coming week, this Wednesday, will be night two of both of those events. Uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought night one, I thought it was about what we would expect. They had like maybe one match that didn't really, you know, was fine, but maybe didn't rise to that level. But I thought all the other ones, and even uh, one, like way surprised me 
uh, what I thought it would be. I thought I didn't expect much from the Robert Stone thing, <laughs> and that ended up being actually pretty entertaining. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought Fighter Fest had the better opener with that tag match. I thought they all four of those guys absolutely blew me away. But the I think the rest of Great American Bash was a superior show. Um, the Robert Stone stuff didn't do it for me, but it does for some. Uh, Thatcher versus Lorkin was exactly as slapping as I thought it would be, just yeah. two guys beating the piss out of each other. And that main event was awesome, even with the bit of a screwy finish. I'm glad they gave EO a, a, a win. That was awesome. Yeah. That being said, we've got night two this week, and we know more matches that are going to be on Fighter Fest, and we already know who's going to win the main event of Great American Bash because somebody decided to take a photo while the match was being taped and put it on their Instagram story for everyone to see. A wrestler did it. That's what makes it worse. So if you want to know who won between... I think you mean an ex-wrestler did it. I mean... They're still I, there for now. Yeah. yeah, they're still there, but man, oh my God, I cannot imagine the chewing out. Is it trending? Is it... I mean, it is unavoidable. Oh, it's on the website. Yeah, it's on our can, website, right? You now. can find it. Was, oh my it God. popped up everywhere the next day. And yeah. it's a big one. Like, it's like a big one. And yeah, so, I mean, we're not going to... Are we going to stay here? We're not going to stay here. No, we won't stay here. Yeah, if you want to go find it, you absolutely can. We've got it up. But... That only for me solidified that Fighter Fest Night Two is the show that's going to win the night. I think from a quality standpoint, because losing losing the suspense of that match for me takes away a lot of what's going to happen in it. Yeah, but I really want to see. I always already was really hyped up for Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy. Yes, I'm bummed we're not getting John Moxley versus Brian Cage, but I wasn't expecting an all time classic out of those two anyway. Yeah. So the fact that we have to wait a week for that, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Private party is awesome whenever they're in the ring with the right teams. So putting them in there with Hangman and uh, Kenny, all for it. And I like the seeds they are building towards an FTR versus Young Bucks tag team match, which I think is going to be the main event of their next big pay-per-view come Labor Day. That's my guess. I think we see more of that. Uh, yeah, tag title match, main eventing, their, their biggest show of the year. And I, I think it's the match everybody wants to see right now, so they're good with it. But I think we're going to keep seeing the seeds of that getting sown throughout this show. So I'm really intrigued to see that part. Yeah, How do you feel I, about it? I, I, well, I mean, and like we talked about uh, last week, and we even told Janelle, right, that like night one of NXT was going to be the superior night, and night two of Fighter Fest was going to be the one, even before we knew the result. Mm-hmm. Knowing the result, it's really hard to dance around that, but knowing the result uh, doesn't necessarily take away from the actual, like, I'm still interested in the match, but it takes away, like you said, the one, like, ace in the hole that they had because the rest of the lineup is just, it's fine. There's some fine stuff on here. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to Mia Yim and Candice LeRae. That'll be a good match, yeah. but uh, the six-man tag could actually end up being really fun. Um, but again, like none of those are that level and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still excited for it, but yeah, it's fighter fest has so much like orange Cassidy alone, the Jericho Cassidy. And despite what someone commented on Twitter and I, I can't remember who did, they were like, no one's looking forward to that match or something along those lines. Like I was like, no, no, no. I have in the comic book slack. I have heard nothing but things about that match. Like people are so excited to see what that is. And uh, I am included. I, I am in that, definitely. So 
Um, I have had people who, who don't like wrestling come up to me and ask me, what the hell is Orange Cassidy? Yes. And how do I watch everything he's ever done? Yes. And that, and that is the thing. That, that is that must-see. Like, doesn't matter. I don't even care who wins. I don't care who, like, what it really sets up. I just want to see it because it's, it's too very – I mean, it's an all-time great in Jericho who can make wrestling anyone entertaining. But then you have just this wild card that is Cassidy. So, yeah, I, I agree. I'm looking for – I mean, it's going to be another great night of wrestling, period. Um, we also did get another match added to the card, to the NXT card, which makes me happy. It was one we kind of predicted, but Johnny Gargano is going to take on Isaiah Swerve Scott, which would be a great one. Um, so that is going to be on NXT uh, on Wednesday night. But yeah, overall, Fighter Fest night two is the one I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, Janelle, if you're watching any wrestling I'm, this week at all, <laughs> I'm Orange literally Cassidy. like looking at the site right now, and I'm like, hmm, who am I rooting for this time? <laughs> it's pretty cool. But go ahead, what else? Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho is the okay. one match you need to watch this week. Okay, and got it. I'm not going to give you any context as to what <laughs> Orange's deal is. You'll pick it up pretty quickly. <laughs> and okay, cool. since you don't know the result, I would recommend I watching. Don't. Uh, Keith Lee and Adam Cole because it's going to be I feel like I'm just going to Yeah. I so. honestly as long I feel like sometimes the matches get so long. Like there's such a I don't know, a sweet spot of like not too short, not too long, like just as kind of this outside totally perspective. Agree. Um and yeah, I always like hope for the best and it that honestly the timing of the matches seems to be the controlling factor of yeah. No. Like which one? There, there's the definitely most. a sweet spot of like you don't want it to be four yeah. minutes, but once you get past twenty, twenty-five, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. how much longer? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I felt well, like hard to watch the athletes wearing down even at that point because oh you're don't like, watch the strap match. Oh my or, gosh! Or don't watch any like New Japan match, especially oh, if it's the events. <laughs> but, um, okay. Before we bounce, we got we Matt. I do need to bring up. Uh, a match that was announced last night. And it's Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in an eye-for-an-eye match coming up at the next pay-per-view. Do you want to know what the stipulation of the match is? Please tell me. In order to win, you have to remove an eyeball from your opponent. I'm not kidding. What the heck does that even mean? You have to (laughs) take... What does that mean? Seth has to take one of Rey's eyes and remove it. I don't know how they're getting around this. I don't understand. Oh my gosh! Special effects. Tommy's gonna throw somebody else. I mean, did, okay. Did Ray get a glass eye? But last time I checked, like, does he no. have? Like, are they gonna wear special goggles that have removable eyes? I don't understand. I, I get the feeling they're like gonna be behind a crate or something, and like, like whoever wins is just gonna like hold up a really fake looking eye at the end of it. That is my guess. My eyes literally can't roll hard enough. I know. Yeah, I'm not about that. <laughs> That's so. Here's the thing, though, and I and I hate to say this, we're going to be watching. Yes, we are. Because it's so absurd, and and I think that's the whole point. Because if you had told me, Randy and I, I'm, je- Rollins, I I'm legitimately it. curious how they pull it off. That's yeah. that's the intrigue of the match. That's, that's what they did. So so really, they're geniuses because they made you care about a match that you probably didn't care about before. <laughs> But they might have to blind one of their employees in the process. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Drew, AIDS must be shattered. Sacrifices must be made. Oh my <laughs> I'm gosh. just saying, they got you to care. If I COVID wasn't enough. <laughs> yes. Maria Mysterio's got to lose an eye because there's no 
So, so yeah, Kofi, that's what's going on in wrestling. Okay, we're going to see who loses an eye in this whole thing. That's what I took away from that whole thing. What a way to end the show. We'll talk about it next week. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in and uh, hope you're getting some enjoyment out of these quarantine episodes. If you're just now getting into the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed or you can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, iHeartRadio, or you can find us on the comicbook.com YouTube page or watch episodes live on Facebook every Wednesday and Friday. You can subscribe there to get uh, uh, regular updates about when we drop new video episodes. If you want to talk to us about anything we've been discussing, you can hit us up at the hashtag comicbooknation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And at Connor Casey underscore CB. If you are just now getting into the show and you like it, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review on the Comic Book Nation page because when we one day get back in our office, we have a whole room full of t-shirts that we you know, occasionally read five-star reviews on the show and send the t-shirt to the person who wrote them. And we'd love to send you a bunch or one per person, but we love to send out a bunch. So when we get back, we're going to get into that closet and start raiding some t-shirts to send out. So go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. A lot of you have been doing that and we appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys again for tuning in. Stay connected, stay healthy. Don't let yourself get too stressed. And if you need somebody to talk to, we're always here. So see you again soon. Peace. Peace. Later.